0: question I ask um, everybody, and that is, what inspired you to start teaching?
1: I started teaching, uh, this was still early in my improv career when I was in, in Boston, uh, mostly because nobody was doing the type of improv I wanted to be doing, which was, uh, which was long-form improv at the time. This was around 98, 99. Uh, the only two theaters in town were doing, uh, doing short-form. And so what I, the first thing I did was I went to go educate myself by, uh, I used to do weekend trips to New York, uh, and we used to, like, hire teachers uh, to, uh, to, te- to work with us. Uh, we would even bring New York instructors up. Like, I remember when we hired Amy Poehler for $200 to come work with us, <laughs> you know, and it was like... And like you know, I still have a very fond memories of like, okay, two hundred dollars, and we'll take you out for Thai food, uh, right? And so that you know, that's what we did. <laughs> and so, yeah, we had we had like Amy Poehler and uh, Matt Fetzer and uh, uh and Ian Roberts and Armando Diaz uh, were some of the early instructors that we had, and that was just sort of my my uh effort to educate myself in long form Uh, and then once I felt like I felt comfortable enough with the tools that I started to teach it and I and trying to fill that void in the Boston scene Uh, and uh, and so I would try to uh, I started to teach what I had learned from the uh, from those instructors and then I felt like I really enjoyed it Uh, and it was my first in college I really enjoyed directing I never really had an opportunity uh, to teach improv uh, when, I was, when I was in school but I directed a few improv shows and I enjoyed that very much but then making the jump to teaching is something that I didn't think I would uh, enjoy as much uh, but just the way that people get the, the performing improv bug I definitely got the teaching improv bug uh, and I soon found myself building out a curriculum uh, that was not only uh, you know, me regurgitating what I had learned in long form, but ultimately starting to develop my own philosophy and my own, my own theories. And to this day, the same document that I started from is uh, the same. I mean, now it's been transferred from Microsoft Word to Google Docs, but it's still the same uh, document. It's still a living curriculum that I revisit after every session. After every uh, session that I teach, I revisit it, make some tweaks, and it's still an evolving uh, curriculum.
0: Is that um, that document a type of document where if someone were to pick it up, it's a robust enough for them to be like oh if this was my first time ever teaching i could follow that or is it more geared for like yourself notes on like oh this really worked or oh on the fly i came up with this i want to try that again kind of thing
1: it is meant to be a shared document uh, and when my teachers oh back when i was in improv boston i would share the document with my with our instructors uh now here for studio theater Uh, I mean, the the Improv Boston Doc curriculum is now sort of, it's now on its own, uh, and that's now moving on under the current artistic director, etc. And Now, my Florida Studio Theater curriculum is one that I'm continuing to develop, and I share that with my teachers. Uh, And I do have a, an even, so there's there's the Florida Studio Theater curriculum, and then there's another curriculum that runs alongside of it that I share with teachers around the world. And, and... And I, I share it with them because I, I want to get that feedback, where I it ends up being a curriculum that I could share with anybody, and I want it to be meaningful and applicable, and understandable by anyone uh, in the world. So, uh, to answer your question, yes, it's meant to be a, a a document and curriculum that anyone could use.
0: So, with that document in mind, um, would so do you do you, because when I when I'm writing out a curriculum that I know another teacher is going to have. So I will put like today's objective, like, or week one objective. And then, you know, students mm-hmm. will master like the following three things by the end of that class. And then I have warm ups, yes. And then I give, oh, is that essentially how that's going for you also?
1: Essentially. Yeah. Every week. And I try to be very consistent in the way every week looks like. So right now it is a, it's a five level program that I've just extended to a sixth so I'm working on this sixth level but each and it's all eight weeks like a standard program eight weeks, two to three hours and each week breaks down into uh, objectives, key terms for that week if there are any any key terms and not, not every week has them uh, then we go into just warm-ups. Uh, then we go into skill building, Right. So whatever the goals are for that week, if I need to build out very specific skills, we go into that. And then we go into the main exercises uh, that, that kind of uh, basically assemble the skills that we went in the, in the third step. And when we take those skills, start to piece them together into whatever the main objective for that week is. Right.
0: Now, when you're writing these, are you going from the sort of the end goal and then working your way back up? Or are you kind of going the other way? Or is it a mix of bit? everything.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a good question. But, you know, at, at, this, uh, at this point, um, you know, I, I just actually went through a major rewrite of my, uh, <clears throat> of my curriculum. Uh, and, and actually, it wasn't even a rewrite. It was a reorg of my curriculum. Because uh, what I started to look at was, okay, what is the main final objective of each level? Right. And then once I know what that what once I know what I want to achieve by the end of, say, like a level three, then it's reverse engineering it. Right. To go, OK, what what are the eight steps needed to get to that final objective? And then once I have those those uh, those primary objectives for each week, then it's about reverse engineering each week. You know, how do I go from the main skills to the skill building to the appropriate warm ups? Uh, so right. yeah, I mean, I definitely start big picture
0: and then and then get get down
1: to the granular. Who
0: did you learn that just through? Because I mean, I learned that through like an in instructional design class. <laughs> but did you, you know, like I've had mm-hmm. college classes mm-hmm. where we do like instructional design and whatnot. Did you learn that just by originally going? Okay, this is how it was taught to me. So this is how I'm going to go, and then and then having light bulbs go, oh, I see what it's doing, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm.
1: Uh, it has been um, the way i the way I learned was just uh, by having good teachers, and not like I'm not talking about improv teachers, just good right. teachers in general. Uh, whether it was uh, you know my physics and computer science teachers in college, uh, to even most more most currently, uh, I've really gotten into doing CrossFit, uh, and I do I go like five six times a week, and even doing CrossFit has taught me how to. How to create good curriculum because it's always uh, a most CrossFit classes there. It's a tight one hour, and there's very specific. uh, We also well, we start with a general warm up, and then we go into very specific stretching, and then we then we review the movements for that week, and then we do the movements for that week. And so even I've been doing CrossFit now for for almost two and a half years, and even that helped me adjust my curriculums because I started to see okay this is what's working in that environment. what can I borrow? How can I uh, what can I borrow from that methodology and apply it to my own so so yeah so what, what's helped me is just having really good teachers through and, and paying attention to why they're good. Sometimes it's not just the message they're delivering which of course is important, but it's the way that they have some other classes that keeps you engaged from the first the moment you walk in until the end.
0: right I think that's great. For people out there who are maybe starting out um, and aren't given a curriculum, uh, mm-hmm. to think about it's not just improv I need to look at. It's the broader world and what has worked for me and, and mm-hmm. then go into the why of that. Right. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I mean, for some people, they're just given a curriculum and then, then they develop their philosophy of that. What do you think your current teaching philosophy is then right now?
1: So I'm gonna stay away from like uh, what my general improv philosophy is, and I'll talk about specifically what my as a teacher what do I try to do. I mean, I I I do think, and it might be I know not every teacher agrees with me on this or every director, but I do think that that anyone can learn improv, right? And I'm not gonna say that anyone can learn improv comedy. I will say that anyone could learn improv, all right. And so I what I'd like to do is figure out okay what is what what is your specific interest in improvisation? Like, what is your ultimate goal, and how can I help you get there? If you want to be an improv comedian, I will develop, I will give you the tools needed to get to that point. If you just want to, if you're an actor that wants to incorporate improvisation, what are the tools needed? If you're just trying to become better, you know, uh, uh, or you're trying to get, uh, be less introverted. What are the what, what are the tools I can give you there? And and for me, like all of that, all of those different uh, interests or goals uh, can be uh, can be developed and reached through uh, through improvisation. So yes, and I truly think everybody can do improv. Uh, can everybody do improv comedy? Uh, to a certain extent, yes. Does Does everybody want to do improv comedy? That's another question. I don't think everybody wants to, and so I'm not going to try to shove that. Down your throat. If you're in my class and you don't want to do improv comedy, but you want to do improv, then I will adjust accordingly towards towards your interests.
0: I do this too in the longer classes, like the six to eight week, or the we, our advanced classes are actually ten weeks. Um, but I do. I try to check in with everybody on what their goals are for that class, then so that when I'm giving feedback or notes, I can help tweak it to what their what their own goals or objectives. Are doing so it sounds like you're doing that as well
1: and I think that like knowing the the different goals of, of your students that makes you a much more effective instructor especially when you're when you're giving feedback and you're, and you're giving notes I feel I, I I feel that uh because I do I, I do a weekly check-in before with everyone I do I do a, uh, I do a major check-in week one I'm like okay why are you here Okay.
0: Uh, do you do that with um? Do you do that one on one, or you do that as like when everybody's like, "Hey, this is what we're doing," and then I'm George, and I'm here because da 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 da. How's that?
1: I do that. I do that uh, out in the open. Like I, I let everybody share that with one another. I think it's important. Uh, because I think then they become a little bit either uh, sympathetic or empathetic towards what the other people in their classes are, or everyone else in their class. Uh, wants to do, right? And so I try not to let it overwhelm that first class, but I think just everyone understanding their their individual goals uh, will then help as we move deeper into the class. Uh, What what I find is that the students start to understand why I deliver notes differently to different people, why I might be a little bit more uh, focused on comedic timing with one person and not with the other person. Right, uh, And then I also find that it's a great way, sharing that information at the top is a great way for people to find allies and friends, right? Suddenly it's like, oh, that other person is here for the same reason I am, uh, and we could connect on that, right, et cetera.
0: I love my level one day ones. They're so exciting to me because it's, it's watching everybody connect on that. I, want, I have so many questions, but I'm just going to jump to, I just want to jump. I do. I have a lot of like nitpicking tools and training, but I want to just jump to diversity, uh, if you will. Cause I think where, yep. I don't think, I know that uh, when I started putting together a list of people I have, like I have to talk to and stuff, I also started to be like, Oh my God, how not diverse is this teacher list? And, And then I started thinking about, well, it's just, at least for me, it seems like it's been the last couple of years where we're really, as improvisers, tackling that head-on. That as a community, as a whole, we're not diverse. So until we get people mm-hmm. becoming students, then becoming performers, like the teacher piece to me seems like that'll be one of the last pieces to be more diverse. So i I love to talk to you about um, mm-hmm. anything that you... Have encountered or what you have found, you know your own experience of it. Uh, in regards to uh, to
1: diversity in 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 teaching, I, I think that uh, and and this goes actually it applies to to the performance aspect uh, as well. I, I think we 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 as a community are getting a lot better at at. And not only uh, accepting uh, different voices, but I think also celebrating different voices. I found myself, especially early in my improv career, I look back again, like, 20, 15 to 20 years ago, where I found myself... I remember, like, just trying to be one of the majority, right? Like, trying to get the same interests, trying to listen to the same music, trying to watch the same shows, right? And... Uh, the fact of the matter was that I, I had a different upbringing. I watched different shows. I didn't, uh, you know, I, I did not, uh, you know, it, it could be something as simple as, like, you know, I didn't watch Monty Python. I watched In Living Color, right? And it could be, you know, it, it's, it's that, low, that that subtle of a difference, right? Uh, and then suddenly I'm like, okay, I guess I need to watch Monty Python because everybody's making these references that I don't know, <laughs> right? And then, uh, but then I feel like as we, um, and especially I think currently there is more of an openness and accepting and, and, and not only like a, 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 not, not only willing, willing to accept but also a curiosity It's like oh great we all watch these different shows we all do these different things uh, that's great you bring a whole other element whole other new element uh, into the into the ensemble that I want in my in, in, that I want to have a part of it in, in my in my ensemble uh, and so what my, my hope is that that now that there are more diverse voices entering different ensembles that that uh that we continue to appreciate those differences and we and and, and we wanna be we wanna learn about those those differences. People who grew up watching in Living Color, uh, people who grew up watching like you know, Mexican sketch shows like I did, we have a very different we have a, di- a different sensibility of timing, a different sensibility of what's funny, and I think, and that's a great thing. You want to bring that into into uh, into your uh, ensemble, uh, and then ultimately, it's, as a business person, it'll end up uh, it, it 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 opens up business opportunities. You have more more diverse teachers, then you have a more diverse audience base, more diverse student base. Uh, ultimately, more diverse shows, and these are all different income streams that start to open up.
0: That those awkward scenes that happen, you know, from students from time to time, that are, uh, how, what is your approach to handling that conversation when it does come up in the classroom?
1: There's one exercise I, I I I do a lot uh, to address diversity, uh, and what I try to look at, I, I try to address the the stereotypes that many of us carry with us. Uh, and, and and we 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 carry these stereotypes and then you, you know so we have we have these stereotypes and at the same time we're being taught uh, you know access, use the knowledge that you know, use what you know and bring it out onto the stage. And then suddenly you get put into this position where uh, where you are the first thing that you're pulling into a scene is a stereotype and and, uh, and suddenly everyone is' everyone's uncomfortable you're like oh my god I can't believe I just revealed this about myself that that I'm that I'm that I have this horrible stereotype and I can't believe I just put it on my scene partner uh, and now we're, we're doing this this really cheap vulgar humor and our scene is is, is, is uh, has no solid foundation so there, there's a uh, there's an exercise I do where I, I disguise it as something else and I actually posted about it on Facebook recently and uh, so we um, – I put it in level two. So level two in my curriculum is where we start to look at characters, right, and start to use our, our voices and our, our bodies to, to uh, give some texture to our scenes, right? Uh, and so there's one exercise, I, which is an accent-mirroring exercise, simple accent-mirroring exercise. And so the way it works is like uh, uh, actor A, student A, uh, begin a scene with, a, with an accent, uh, actor B mirror that accent back as best as you can. Mirror the accent back, and then continue with the scene, right? And so I disguise it as an accent mirroring exercise. But then what ends up happening almost right away is that you know they'll come out with a strong accent. Second person will come out with the, to mirror it, and then they'll immediately in in in, in like in, in, in synchronize go into a stereotype to support that accent. Right, and it could be anything from like you know Jamaican to Mexican to German uh, to to Southern, right? And then suddenly, uh, like if it's a Southern accent, they're mirroring. You have two seemingly dumb characters. If you have if uh, if you have Mexican accent, they're both drug dealers. If it's Jamaican, they're both smoking weed, uh, right? If they're German, they're both like neo Nazis, and it's like okay. <laughs> all right, let, let, let's take a look at what just happened. And I'll I'll let them go through that and kind of just experience what that was like. And it's like, okay, all right, it, uh, we, we, we did some accent mirroring. Some of it was more effective than others. But let's see what was – let's take a look at what was happening and what kind of content surfaced, right? And so – you know, I, I tell them, I'm like, uh, and this this goes, uh, this is a benefit of, of uh, personally having had the opportunity to travel all over the world is like, you know, you, you, you a lot of those stereotypes start to melt away, right? And then some of you are like, I start, I tell my students, you know what, guys, I hate to break it to you, but, you know, there are Jamaican uh, pizza delivery guys that probably don't smoke any weed. Uh, there are Mexican doctors, right? There are, there are uh, Southern... Uh, uh, southern startup set CEOs who run dot coms, right? And they there are these people. So let's let's use the power of the of, uh, use the accent that you that you are uh, that you are starting, but don't funnel yourself into those stereotypes. Have more uh, look for diversity in your in your scene work, and then suddenly we start to realize, oh wow, okay, um, uh, we the scenes that I've already been doing in my in my upper-middle-class, white-centered scenes, all of that, all of those relationships could also be applied to all of these other cultures, right? And then suddenly, uh, I don't need to reinforce my scenes with stereotypes, right? I just reinforce them with the basic human relationships that I already know, right? Uh, And I talked about my my traveling earlier. Like, one, one thing that I keep coming across is that, you know, yeah, there are, There might be cultural differences. There might be each, many of the cultures that I've, I've encountered have very different uh, sensitivities as to what's, you know, what's important in their culture, right? Uh, but underneath all of that, underneath the politics, underneath are the primary cultural identities, there's, there's just people. There are people that are falling in love. There are people that are that are becoming best friends. There are people that are trying to go on first dates. There are people that are mad with their bosses or mad with their parents, right? And so uh, that, for me, is ultimately what I'm trying to uh, I find the diversity... Uh, I, I feel that, that, that the key to diversity in, in, uh, uh, in, seeing, in, in teaching and in... in in ensembles, is not only celebrating the differences and what makes us all unique, but also celebrating how actually uh, how similar we all are, and and all and and what what binds us all. I was just gonna add that, like I think that if uh, if you are in a, uh, this goes for, for anyone who is in a position of leadership in their theater, uh, I think we need to we need to be sensitive to. Uh, we, what makes a good teacher? Like, I think sometimes we are, we are looking for the people that have the most experience. And for where we are right now, that, that, that is going to uh, – most of those people are going fi- to be in that white middle class demographic – right uh and so we're, we're trying to find teachers based on experience as opposed to based on on other intangibles and so i like that that's where i feel like i've been able to have a a, a very diverse teaching uh, uh a diverse group of teachers or diverse ensemble members because I'm, I'm i'm not just looking for experience but there's there's other there's uh other intangibles that, that i find important uh, sometimes it's uh uh, like empathy and sympathy, like it, like being able to identify that in people. Like, like sometimes I'm able to identify it early, and just be like, you know what, I, what I want you to do now is, I want you to TA with me. I want you to just sit in on a rehearsal with me. I want, I, cause, I, cause, I, you already have, two of the most important skills as a teacher. So even if you don't have the experience yet, uh, I'm gonna give you that experience. Uh. I'm gonna give you that. I'm gonna I'm gonna build up that experience because you already have two of the other intangibles that many people just don't have, and I know a lot of teachers that have a lot of great uh, years of experience, but but lack that empathy and sympathy that makes them really effective teachers. And sometimes I feel like you know I, I've had I've had students that are that are like, oh, I really want to take a class with this person because they're an experienced cast member, and then once they have them as a teacher, they realize oh okay. Like, experienced cast member doesn't really translate to to good teacher, right?
0: Right, because you might know what you... Like, you can be a great player, but you just haven't figured out how to relay what it is that you're doing that makes you right. a great player. And that relaying yeah. of... To getting that to the student is a completely different skill set. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why really good teachers are important to me because that's how you learn how to relay your skill sets is by watching a really good teacher relay mm-hmm. how you get to your skill set. Right. So right? It's, it's one of those mm-hmm. things. Um, so how are you monitoring your own progress then? Or also, do, um, do you do evaluations and surveys and that kind of? We do. Okay. Uh,
1: we, do, we do evaluations and surveys, and so that's where most of our, our more direct uh, feedback comes in. And then I also, I mean, there's other metrics like uh, uh, retention, right? Like if I, I, I keep a very close look at, at retention of uh, level after level, uh, and if there's a sharp drop off for whatever reason, you know, I try to make sure I understand why that happens. And sometimes it's like, sometimes it can be a dysfunction in your teaching, like you're not communicating something effectively. I had to redo a, a, a curriculum, this was about a year and a half ago, there was a sharp drop-off, uh, and I was like, okay, what just happened here? Uh, and after talking, I I reached out to the students, and they were just like, yeah, about halfway through, it just got really heady, it got very, like the fun went away, it got very technical, and I was like, that's really, and it, it was validated by a couple of other, or, yeah like, like three people said it in different ways, but I'm like, okay, I think I know what's happening here. And so um, looking at for me, looking at those metrics and, and, and then reaching out to people to kind of give you a, a deeper understanding as to what's happening. Uh, and then being willing to, to change it on your on your end. like I, I could have just as easily let my ego be like, you know what? I, I don't care. I'm like the right people will enjoy this class, right? They'll appreciate what I'm trying to do. Uh, no, but I had to be like, okay, I this is very valuable uh, information. I need to look back at the curriculum and and I redid it. I redid uh, like a whole level and a half so that it remained, even though it was level three, they're halfway through the entire course. Uh, it needed to stay fun, and and that's what that's kind of what I lost.
0: Have you ever gotten an evaluation back on yourself that you were just like, huh, I didn't see that coming.
1: I I've gotten. Uh, uh, I think it was a couple of years ago. it was definitely while I was in Boston that I remember getting an evaluation that was a lot harsher than I than I was ready for. Uh, but it was good. it humbles you. you're just like okay and I, and I knew where they were coming from and that's, and, and again like I, I, I think that's an important part of, the, of, of, of being a teacher is like you might not agree with it, but you need to at least understand why they see it that way right uh, And so yeah yeah I, I did I did get it and, and this this one person, uh thought that i was um uh that that i that i was i was focusing too much on uh on like a, like very technical moves like they, they were they, I, like i was teaching very technical moves and i know what happened i know that i ended up gearing my teaching towards the stronger t- uh students uh and and i think i just got caught up in the talent of the stronger students that some of the other students just felt left behind or felt ignored, uh, and so what? Like it It was once again, it was valuable feedback. Like I, 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 I think the the feedback was a little harsh, but I knew where it was coming from.
0: Have you had to ask someone to leave a class?
1: I have. Uh, I have had to do that, and um, I, I try my best to to be accommodating. Um, sometimes it will be like I, I, the, the, the simplest solutions in that regard have been asking them to, to hold, like uh, like basically asking them to take the same level the next session. Because uh, maybe maybe there's just a bad chemistry in that class. Like they just don't like somebody. And I'm like, you know what? I can't I, I can't that, that's something that's out of my control that you don't like this person. I like both of you, so I'm, I'm gonna need to ask you to wait and, and, and if you don't mind, wait for another session. Right? Uh, another thing that I've done is like, I've asked them to move to a different, uh, a different section of that, of that same class, right? Can I move you to a Tuesday night uh, for the same similar reasons? Uh, chemistry. However, there are moments where it's not for them. It, it, it like, like, and, and what I mean by that, it's like the art form is not for them or working in a group at this level of intimacy is not for them, right? And, and helping them understand that is, is not the easy, because sometimes I feel like, honestly, it's like, is this really my place to, for me to be telling you this? But, but you're not enjoying it, and the other people are not enjoying it, and I'm, and I, and I, and I, and I'm trying my best not to give you feedback on y- you personally. But I just don't think that in the end after eight weeks it's going to be it's gonna benefit you. So let's try to find I'll, I'll offer you a refund or or something and and, and try to and, and and I'll give you feedback on, on on another thing. Like sometimes, you know, go take a stand-up class. That I think that might be better for you, right? Or something like that.
0: Before you get to that point, do you try to have a couple of check-in meetings with them and be like, hey, this is what I noticed what's going on? How can we work through this or? I, I do. I, I mean, I, yeah, like
1: it's hard for me. I have never been in a position where, uh, and I've heard of people that have been in this position, but I, I personally have no, never gotten to the point where I've had to, like an immediate expulsion. Right. Uh, and um, it's possible that either I've been lucky in 20 years to not have had that person or I've just been able to, to see it ahead of time. And I feel like that might be more it. Like I've just been able to identify uh, the awkwardness or the weird energy or the discomfort and been able to, to, uh, to, to uh, address it early on. And I feel like that's more often the fact of what, of what's happening with, with uh, in, in the situations that I've been in. And I think, again, that that's an important tool as a, as a teacher is if you, if, if your gut is telling you that something is not right, that people are uncomfortable. This is where the whole empathy part comes in. Like, if if your gut is telling you there's something not right here, then you have to address it. And if you're not the one that can address it, then go to a person that that, that, that should. Is it the director of education? Is it the artistic director? Go to somebody that will address it for you. Because, you know, sometimes it is possible that, Certain teachers are not empowered or in the position to be able to do that. They just want to teach, right? They don't want to do people management. And if that's <laughs> not your job, then go to the person whose job it is. <laughs>
0: right, right, right. Yeah, oh, that yeah. people management. <laughs> so, <laughs> you had mentioned earlier, uh, come shadow me. Let's, you know, do you have a specific tra- train the trainer program uh, for teachers where you are now?
1: Um, I don't have one, but actually, uh, I am working on one. I'm trying to put together an actual uh, uh, train the trainer program uh, specifically for improv imp- improv instructors, uh, and the, the what I'm and actually what I'm what I'm putting together was more a uh, meant to be for already seasoned teachers and directors. Uh, but now that I have built it out, I'm looking at it. As a tool that's not just for for, for seasoned teachers, but uh, also for beginners, and and uh, and what I'm trying to do uh, is make teachers teach teachers to be sensitive to some of the intangibles that I was talking about earlier, uh, and giving them like a specific list of intangibles that I consider to be to be important in in the student. Uh, so uh, so that's part of it, and the other one is giving them the language to be able to give good feedback because i uh, and that's where this curriculum originally came from is that i was feeling a i was watching a lot of my teachers and a lot of my directors that were doing a good job at at, at at they were they were doing a good job and i just felt that their feedback wasn't as articulate as it could be and what i mean by that is you know you could tell you could tell a a student or you could tell a performer you know i need you to be more physical Right, and and that, and most of the time, most students and, and, and actors will take that at face value. They're like, okay, all right, I need to be more physical. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to empower the teacher to be more articulate. I'm like, when you say that, like, what exactly are you trying to say by being more physical? Are you are you asking them to initiate, uh, come in, uh, initiate with with strong physicality? Are you saying that their object work needs to be a bit a bit more specific? Uh, right are you t- are you saying that like uh, uh, is, there, is there not enough uh, are there characters uh, do their characters need to need to be a, carry a bit more weight on stage do they need to lead with a body part how can we articulate your note right and then the same thing with vocal notes right I need you to be I need you to use, your characters need to use your their voice more uh, what does that mean do they need to be louder do, do, do the uh, are the accents inconsistent? Um, are there not? Are, are there accents not diverse enough? Do they keep going to the same two or three accents out of their pocket? Right. Uh, what when, when we deliver notes, I, I think it's important for us to to uh, to give feedback that is not just correcting the person but also helping them
0: get better. Sure. Yeah. So they can. I know that I do much better when I get a note of like. You know, raise your volume by three. Oh, okay, because that means something to me. Versus, yeah. we need you to be louder, right? Yeah, right, right, I never, exactly. get, I, yeah. I never get that note, by the way. Uh, that out <laughs> <laughs> That's not a note I think I've ever gotten in my life. <laughs> um, That's hilarious.
1: <laughs>
0: so, do you? I I feel like. Um, the way you're setting up your classes when you do give feedback is you're probably because you're giving like a more specific note and that you're you're already tuned in empathetically. You're not necessarily getting a student who pushes back a lot on notes. Um, and if you do, you know how do you how do you work with someone who's resistant to taking the notes and the feedback?
1: Uh, I, I had somebody recently who was very defensive on their notes, uh, and, and it was a it was a wonderful group of, of people. And, and like in the beginning of the class, she was great. Like she was, she was really, she was really excited. And then as we started to get deep into the level, uh, this defensive posture started to come up, uh, and every note either was backed with an excuse of some sort uh or e- either an excuse as, as to why they can't they we weren't at a hundred percent that day uh or just questioning the note like not understanding it uh and so my my instinct whenever I'm put into those situations i need to i i I, I almost think like, okay, I am failing to understand. I personally, as a teacher, I'm failing to understand what their goal actually is. Like I'm I, there's a, we, we've hit a disconnect here and I don't know what exactly you want. So what I'll do either, I, it, it, it's rarely in front of the entire group. It's usually more of a personal conversation is I just need to understand what exactly are you trying to get out of, out of the class right now? Okay, like where, and, and, and that for me can be, can be very revealing because it, it, most of the time it's like I, I've had this student maybe for a couple of levels. We're we halfway through an advanced course, and I might have lost sight as to what it, why exactly they're taking this course, or their goals might have changed. And so once I, I and it's almost like resetting. It's almost like doing that that level one week one thing with them again. Of like why are what what why are you do why are you taking this class right now, and what what um. And, and and how can I help you achieve the goals that you're, you're you're trying to achieve? And for this person specifically, I got a better. Uh, I was able to get a, a deeper, a uh, better understanding for them. And for them, it was like making. They were shifting from short form to long form, and that shift, that mental shift to long form, just wasn't clicking for them. They just did not see it. They were like, I don't. I'm I'm not understanding why. I'm not seeing the value of long form right now, uh, and so we just had to have a conversation about that. And I, I and I also needed to, I needed to, to calibrate my language with her when giving her feedback. Uh, and once I was able to calibrate and speak a little bit more, like make uh, connections to short form for her, uh, it was able to give, it gave her the traction she needed. Uh, and then, and then she was able to get back on, she was able to get back on board and she's still taking classes now. And, and in my opinion, she, she's she's uh, more connected now. And I think she's seeing the value. Uh, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, okay, well, I I am not, when I hit those moments, it's like, okay, I am not, I, I am just not seeing what you, you want out of this. So let's, let's connect on that first. Right.
0: Um, what if, um...
1: What advice do you have for anybody who's thinking about going into teaching? Mm. Um, I would. Uh, so I, I think it's important to understand, like, like, so you're you're going to be taking on this in, instructional. Uh, uh, the, the, you're going to take on this role as an as an as an instructor. And I think it's important to understand why. Why you are doing it for me, there are three possible hats to wear right uh, and, and this is very very similar to, to the conversation I have with some of my uh, with the folks that are interested in teaching for me here. It's like okay do you, uh, are you interested in uh, like you have a very specific artistic voice that you are interested in articulating like you have your thoughts on improvisation that you want to articulate like is, is that what you want to do or, uh, is, there, uh, uh, is, is there a group of is there a type of improv that you that you really enjoy um, uh, that you really enjoy teaching like you know you really enjoy uh, teaching musical improv or short form or long form right or um, are you genuinely interested in in bettering uh, 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 bettering people through this art form. Right, and for me, like those are three very different hats, and I try to help my cast members figure out what hat is best for them. If you're if you're genuinely interested in making a person better through this art form, then I welcome you to my faculty, and let's work on getting you ready to teach. If you are if you have a very specific artistic voice that you want, like if you're you, if you come at me and you're like, you know what, I, uh, I took classes at at UCB, and I love the UCB way and I really want to be able to teach that, then I'm like, okay, well, our, our, we do touch on UCB. It's not all UCB, but why don't I connect you with a group of people that are looking for a coach? Because I think what you want to do, you don't want to teach. I think you want to coach in this very specific methodology. So let, 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 let's do that for, uh, for you, right? Um, and, and, uh, and sometimes it's just like, you know what, uh, Will, uh, I, I love musical improv and I just I want a group that I can work with. I'm like, all right, well, it looks like you want to direct something. right? It doesn't look like you want to coach. It doesn't sound like you want to teach, but you want to direct a show that, 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 uh, with a very specific format that you're, you're envisioning. So let me put you in that pocket. right? So for me, as, as, a, as a director of a program, I need to know what your, what your goal is as an instructor and I want to make sure I connect you with the right people uh, so that you also feel uh, so successful in, in, in that in that role,
0: I think that you're in this great position to be able to also match people's needs and wants to where they are in their journey, and be like, we have a team that you know you should try to coach, or let's direct a show, or yeah, let's get you in teaching. I think that's a great, like the community is really lucky to have that kind of. Um, to have you there with that opportunity to be able to do that. Um, I'm sure lots of people would love to be like, no, I just want to direct a show and see what that's like. And, the- it's like, and, and one thing I learned about,
1: uh, one thing I learned while I was in Boston is that uh, even if those opportunities don't exist, uh, it is a, it's a growth opportunity for, for the theater. Like if, it, if that space doesn't exist... Then you make that space because uh, it will be – chances are that other people are, are, are have similar interests. What I, so for example, uh, the reason why the sketch program even started in Improv Boston was because after like two or three years of being the artistic director, somebody came up to me and they were like, Will, I want to be the head writer of a sketch team. And so I was like, "Okay, uh, we don't have any sketch classes, we don't have any other sketch writers, but let's initiate that. Let's put that out there to the community. Let's just say, okay, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Dan here wants to be the head writer of a team. Does anybody want to join?" And I had no idea that so many other people would would, would jump at it, but a bunch of other people jumped at it. Eventually, a sketch show appeared. And then two or three years down the line, an entire sketch program emerged. Uh, and it all, all it took was that one person to uh to to express their interest. And again, I think that's like as a as the head of an of an organization, there's definitely what there are the goals that I have that I want for my program, but then also there are the interests of your of your community, and, and they'll surprise you. And they and, and with Improv Boston, I could almost trace. Everything that the, I mean, I could probably still do it now, even though I haven't been there for two years, I could probably trace back a show or a program back to one person that just expressed their interest.
0: So uh, do you have any, like, um, before I ask where people can find you online right now, do you have any other final thoughts or anything for teachers out there that?
1: Uh, uh, I might be, I don't know if I'll, I'll be repeating anything that I've, that I've, already said, but I, I do think that, you know, if you are, as a teacher, as a teacher, I, I am constantly learning and being challenged by my students who, I, who are, they're helping me become, become a better teacher. My curriculum is in constant evolution, not because of ideas that I'm trying to force into the, my community but my my curriculum is in constant evolution as a response uh, to to the students uh, like if I'm in tune to what they need and uh, what their strengths and weaknesses are that is helping to guide guide my community and so I think like uh, uh find those ways to uh, to get feedback find those ways to uh, uh, to constantly be touching base with your with your students because that that for me is is what's going to help you become a better teacher. Uh that's kind of that's what's going to help your community get bigger, right? Uh and, and and ultimately and again with the if I put the business hat back on, right? It's going to help the it's going to help more people become engaged with what you are doing and ultimately open up additional business channels and, and revenue streams. And uh, yeah, you know, I I I've, I've, I've told uh I've been lucky that here since I've moved to Sarasota, our, our improv classes have grown by over 200% in, in, in a couple of years and, and they're still growing, right? And a lot of that just comes from exactly what I just said. Like, you know, they're telling, I came in with my own philosophies and ideas from Boston but, uh, and, and that helped at the beginning but then after a while it's like, all right, it's not about Boston, it's about you guys and you need to tell me everything you need and where this community wants to go
0: i think that's that's fantastic it's so awesome when um communities explode and grow like that where can people find you in the social realm of the interwebs
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh in the in the so in the social realm of the interwebs i am at uh Uh, Pretty much every every and any social media uh, site under W. Luera, W-L-U-E-R-A. And I have a a website that links to all my social media, and that's uh, will-luera.com. And I am performing and teaching weekly at Florida Studio Theater in Sarasota, Florida.